Fanny. Um, what can I say? <laughs> um, yeah, look, I, uh, I just, I, I really was seeking the Lord on what to, to bring today, and it was, and it was the uh, a scripture that we know really well. So we, so it's from Isaiah forty thirty one, and um, as we were singing that song, as Joe was singing that song, um, you make me brave. Um, call me, call me beyond the shore. Wave after wave crashes over me, and uh, I couldn't help but thinking how appropriate that is to, uh, you know, sometimes in business it's like that, wave after wave crashes over me. And uh, years ago, I think since I was a little kid, the Lord called me to business. I remember my first business, it wasn't a very much a paid one, but I remember making fences and sowing little paddocks of oats and um, to feed my rabbits and uh, guinea pigs, and I think I was about five. And I also remember, in great frustration, I built a, a bale to milk a sheep. And I remember dragging the sheep across the farm because it wouldn't come. And uh, great frustration, this thing was so much heavier than I was, trying to tie it up and milk it. And I wonder I couldn't milk it, it didn't have a lamb. Um, <laughs> but I, I had this inbuilt thing with... Uh, running businesses and farms and breeding rabbits and tortoises and who knows what. And uh, I remember clearing my first patch of ground and uh, with a little tomahawk cutting down the trees and um, heaping up the rubbish. I just toiled uh, at that to clear it and then got my father to pull out the stumps with the tractor um, so I could then sow oats to feed my pet rabbits. So I sort of had this, this thing and... For, for business, and, and I guess it was farming then, but I was looking for ways to, to make money out of things I love to do, like selling rabbits and then selling trees and all sorts of stuff. I still do it. I'm 67 this year, and a lot of people say, um, when are you going to retire? Well, what am I going to stop doing what I love doing? Um, <laughs> to me, I mean, I suppose you retire from one thing and do another thing. I do that lots of times. But uh, while God's put me on this planet, there's... Um, there's work to be done, and um, and yeah, I'll we'll change from one thing to another thing. But at the moment, I'm uh, still doing what he's called me to do, and um, but it it comes back to to waiting on the Lord. And this this scripture, um, waiting on God, is an intriguing one. Um, my business coach really reinforced this about four years ago when I I started doing a course with Wes Hone, and. Um, Part of that business course is actually waiting on God. He brings in a company, there's a company called Destiny Strategies Then they teach people to move in the spirit and listen to God and what he's saying and direct you in your business. And um, I was impressed, not only Wes runs lots of businesses, that's how he's able to teach other people, but there's also another guy, uh, Dave Hodgson, who who's, uh, runs the Palatin Corp and they're a huge um, a huge company, multi-million dollar company, and he says he was so busy that he had to take a day off a week just to pray and see where God was leading him. Um, couldn't afford to make mistakes when you're dealing in that sort of level. And I thought, man, if they need to spend time with God and they can afford to, well, they couldn't afford to, he said they saved so much time by taking a day out to really seek God. And uh, I found that really challenging. And uh, that's where this... The scripture, if you look at it, um, especially coming into a, a new year, 
Uh, what better way to start than look to God? Look to God for um, His guidance. Isaiah 40, 31 says, Those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. What a promise when, um, what a promise when you get to my age. <laughs> and, uh, and sometimes, and I don't believe that's talking about just physical strength, but it's an analogy of, of what we'll do when we see God and, and the energy you receive when God gives you something. And, uh, you know, you can be that tired, you can be weary, and you can wake up in the morning fresh again. I believe this is talking about something far deeper than that, far more about renewing our strength, far more about uh, running and not growing weary and walking and not faint. So I'd just like to have a look at this. The, the Hebrew um, word, some, some uh, translations call it wait, some call it hope in the Lord. Um, but there are several different words in the original, I don't know whether it's Greek or Hebrew, who ever wrote what they did with Isaiah, but anyway, one of those, the original language. And when I looked it up, um, the one in this particular verse was, was the work that we are, uh, some of the verses, uh, wait is translated to be silent or to stand still. And that's probably not a bad thing there too. But the one that's actually in the scripture is Gavar, which is to expect and to hope, to look for. It's, it's an active thing. So when you actively seek the Lord, it, I believe it's talking about waiting on the Lord, is to actively seek the Lord and uh, spend time in that seeking. And to do that, um, when we're really seeking the Lord and living prayerfully, which is living in faith, it's believing God is there, He's going to answer you, and it's seeking what He's got for you. And I find that the greatest challenge. I think it's only, although I've always, since I, I uh, was saved in 1966, and that first year I started to get in the habit of having a quiet time. I think it lasted five minutes, like the quiet time. And, but it put me in the habit. At the end of the first year I realised that I'd read my passage, that was, I had a Bible reading schedule and I'd read the passage and then I'd be off. And I realised that I can't remember anything I've read. Um, so then I decided I had to spend more time in just um, thinking about it. And, and that's what happened. So I spent 15 minutes instead of five. But I've come to realise particularly, and that, that's varied over the years and all sorts of times, but it's only really in the last five years when I've spoken to these other guys that take a whole day out to really press in on God. And I must admit... Um, they had some massive stuff to get messages from God from, um, far more than what I have. But it's spending that time sometimes is just necessarily, not for God to say what he wants to say, but for us to put off all the things that are getting in the way and to learn to listen. And um, we've, we look into, uh, we see a great example with Samuel and David. And here's Goliath on the way. And, uh, and Samuel talks about, uh, talks about waiting on God in 1 Samuel. And um, I'll just read from the, from the screen. Where, and this is what um, 
Samuel says to Saul, Saul is there, um, Saul is there waiting for God to do something, or he's not actually waiting on God, he's trying to sort stuff out himself. And uh, what have you done, asked Samuel. Saul replied, well, when I saw the men scattering and that you did not come at the set time, so he's starting to blame Samuel there, that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash. And I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I have not sought the Lord's favour. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You acted foolishly, Samuel said. You have not kept the command of the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. There's two parts to connecting with God. And one of those, um, one of those parts is that personal relationship with God. And um, we, read, we read that passage from, from Samuel and we realise that Saul's fear overcame his faith in God's word. God had told him to wait till Samuel had uh, come and offered the sacrifices. But Saul panicked. Saul panicked and he didn't wait. And he thought, he, oh, I can do that. This is no... I, any, anybody can do this. I need to get it out of the road. I need to seek God on this one. But he actually didn't do what God had actually told him to do. And so he allowed fear to take things into his own hands. And um, in the meantime, David, a shepherd boy, a young guy, was out looking after the sheep. He'd learned to look to God. He'd learned to hear from God, more importantly. He'd learned to seek God when the bear came and, and took, the, uh, took the sheep. He'd learned to look to God and for God's strength, and he'd take on the bear. And so while Saul was caught up in his own thing, offering his own sacrifices and not listening to anybody, not waiting on God, Goliath was on his way. Goliath was on his way. Saul had never encountered Goliath before, but God knew he was coming. You know, it's sometimes we don't know ourselves what we're facing, but God knows what's coming. And when he tells us to seek him, when he tells us to spend time with him, it's in preparation for what is coming. We mightn't think we need to, but God knows that Goliath was coming. And two chapters later, Goliath arrived to find Saul trembling in his tent. Because when you depend on your own strength and you do your own thing, you don't have confidence and you don't have courage. And so many people depend on their own strength and we need to, not, we need to look to God and uh, depend on his strength. So that is the critical thing that this scripture, I believe, is telling us. We need to wait on God, is to seek him. And then we will, he will renew our strength. And, um, you know, he was, he was the shepherd boy that had been trained to hear the voice of God. And uh, he had a daring faith. And, uh, and that was David. Scripture in... Uh, Proverbs 29:18 says where there is no revelation or no vision the people cast off restraint but blessed is he who keeps the law so it's seeking God seeking God for that vision so there's the two two parts to connecting with God there's time alone with God and Jesus taught us that Jesus 
in uh, Mark 6.46 says he went up in the hills by himself to pray. And uh, Luke 5.16 says that, um, that he went, withdrew to the wilderness to pray. So Jesus made a great effort to get away from all the stuff that was around him. And uh, I know um, David Hodgson, who's, who runs the Palatin Corp, I remember him telling a story once, uh, an example, and he, uh, he used to take his day off to pray, but it wasn't the day we think of starting at eight and going to five. He used to start at four in the morning. And uh, I remember him telling, and I can't remember the whole gist of it, but he told the story if he was four o'clock, he was out in the bush. And, um, and God, and as he was there praying, there was uh, a f- peregrine falcon who, right in front of him, dive-bombed this egret and took it out. And I can't remember the connection, except that was speaking to him about something that he had to do, something that he had to, to, to deal with. And so God will speak to us in all sorts of ways as we seek him. And, uh, and it's, part of it, sure, is reading and studying his word other parts is just really waiting on him and just simply giving him time giving him time in our lives and the other part of connecting with god is time in the body of christ and the body is we're all part of a body we need each other and uh, and each part has a part to play so there's two ways we need to use for connecting with god we need to put ourselves in a growth environment and uh, through both of those ways. J- uh, John 15 and 4 says, Remain in me and, I'll, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine and neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. How, how positive is that? That if we remain in, in God, we need to make sure we are giving him that time. We need to... And in both those things, time alone and time, part of a body is remaining in Christ. It's his body. And um, we often think of, you know, church isn't just somewhere you go, but it's a body of believers. And uh, it's, it's connecting. It's connecting into that body. Um, part of that growth environment, I often think of uh, we've got a, a, a fish bowl with little fish in it. But if we take those same little fish and put them in the pond outside, they grow to a lot bigger fish. And uh, we learned when we I did ag science and we studied genetics that the genetics is only 20% of the potential of an animal. The other 80% is the environment that it's in. And um, we, we can't blame our genetics for things we don't achieve. You know, oh, my parents never did anything, so I won't either. You know, most of it's the environment that we're in. And uh, that's where it's critical for putting ourselves in a growth environment and, um, and recognising that God is our source. In, um, I've got a gap between all these. We need to tap into that source. And that's what Jeremiah was talking about. Jeremiah in... Um, 17.5, and this is what the Lord says, Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who depends on flesh for his strength and whose heart is, turns away from the Lord. He will be like a bush 
in the wasteland that he will not see prosperity when it comes. He didn't say prosperity wouldn't come. He said he wouldn't see it. He wouldn't recognise the things that God was bringing to him. And uh, he will dwell in the parched places in the desert, in the salt land where no one lives. But blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. He will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream, does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Wow, what a prom promise is that. Um, if we put our roots down into God and draw on what he's provided for us. Uh, what a contrast it is between the person who trusts in their own strength, as we saw Saul did. He was found trembling when Goliath came. David put his trust in the Lord and um, he defeated the, the Goliath. Goliath, which was so much bigger, so much more experienced at war and everything else than David. But God blessed what David and told David what to do. He, um, he picked up those five stones from the brook. He only took one of them to defeat Goliath. Somebody said those other ones were for Goliath's brothers that were also there. Um, you know, we will face Goliaths. We need not be afraid if we are in God and seeking God. I believe starting a new year is a great time to start by looking to God, looking to God for vision, looking to God for strength and um, having a look at that time that we do spend in his presence. Is it rushed and hurried? I know I really, uh, I know I really miss it sometimes when you've got so much on your plate. You have a quick time and you go and you think, I really should have got some more detail. I really needed to brush up on the blueprints that God's got for me on this one. And, um, and so I find that a great challenge as we put our roots down, as that tree does. Uh, droughts are going to come, as it says, droughts are going to come, but we will have no fear uh, and we will keep being fruitful. So if the economies are looking bad and if there's a drought out there, God's word says we will still produce fruit. We will, uh, he will give us a way to produce fruit. And, um, and so that's about spending time with God. The, uh, before we get in the next section, the other bit that I've got, the scripture that tells us about, um, is from Hebrews 10 and 23. Let's hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he has promised to be faithful. And let us consider one another and stir up love and good works not forsaking the assembling ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much more as you see the day approaching. It's, it's really obvious that we are supporting each other. It's, really, it's where prayer comes in. It's where our home groups come in. It's where we connect on a Sunday. It's the whole thing through the week where we, we need to be part of that body. And no, none of us are an island to ourselves. And so it's great, as we saw, it's important, it's imperative we wait on God, but it's also imperative that we knit ourselves in to the body and, um, and be accountable to one another, encouraging one another. And, uh, and Scripture's quite plain on that. 
Proverbs 27, 17 says, As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Or other translations, as one man sharpens, um, so they sharpen each other. So it's rubbing shoulders together. Uh, it's talking things over. It's praying for one another. It's all that sort of thing that, um, that helps us connect with God. So tapping into that tapping into that source um, is about giving ourselves time it's easy to have just a hurried conversation but like I said before it's not the time that God needs it's the time that we need I was thinking about you know how much time do we need to spend with God and some days it varies to how much we can make but I, I was as I was thinking about it I thought I've got this dam that's sort of evaporating and going down and I thought if the rain comes slowly it just soaks in which is great but if I want to fill the dam I need to come down real quick and it runs off and um, I thought well if we're really hard-hearted it takes God a fair bit of time just to let it soak in uh, because a lot of it starts to run off and it's not God's fault it's ours we need to make the time to allow it to soak in and um, it, it sometimes just takes time meditating on the word and all of a sudden you, think, you see something you think why didn't I see that before I mean I've been reading that scripture for the last 40 years and it's only just suddenly clicked hard ground it's a bit solid up there sometimes um, it just takes time and God's it's in God's timing but he'll keep he'll keep that rain coming until it starts to soak in that's why we need to give God time. Don't, don't be, a, be tempted to hurry it because it takes time. Our lives become so compacted uh, like that ground can become so compacted. And um, we need to, you know, Scripture says we need to be renewed daily. It's like renewing your soil uh, with the Word of God and then, the, then it can take root. We live in a society, society of... Uh, like instant gratification we want stuff now uh, we can't even be bothered sort of sometimes getting on the phone we just get on the website and we want to click the shopping cart and we want it sent tomorrow um, more and more that sort of things happening and yet um, but God is laying foundations for something is far greater the things we do today can be affecting our grandchildren God is, is such a bigger picture than we do. We think of what we do today as affecting what we do tomorrow, but God's tomorrow could be a generation away or two generations away. Kids are observing their parents and their grandparents, and if we haven't got kids, there's other people's kids that are learning from us. And, you know, we, I, I think sometimes we need a fresh appreciation of the influence we have on those around about us and um, and how important it is the, the little things we might do that that uh, that we think don't matter and yet there's a next generation depending on it uh, and depending on our leadership so let's remember that God is thinking far bigger and far greater than just what's in our hands today he's thinking of the whole next generations And as we see through that scripture, waiting on God will 
it says, soar on wings like eagles. Soaring is looking at things from God's perspective. I believe that scripture is talking about as we wait on God who will give us vision. It will give us vision and we'll see things from his perspective. It's not just something for our lives of, okay, I want you to set up a business over here. It'll be that, but it'll look on things from God's perspective. He sees things, like I said, not just from this generation, but the next and the next. And we sometimes pull our hair out of what's happening in politics. But God knows and he sees the seeds that he's sowing, the people that he's bringing in. God sees the Prime Minister, not just the next year's one, but the one in 10 years' time and 20 years' time. He's actually preparing people for that role right now. They could be sitting in the seats here. They could be in Bub's church. They could be those prime ministers. You know, God sees things far bigger than we do. So are we helping lay the foundation in those children? Somebody is. Somebody's laying those foundations. And we can be a part of that. That scripture talks about we will run. It speaks of energy. To run speaks of having energy and to find new strength in adversity. And, um, you know, they will run and not grow weary. Obviously, it's not talking about just physical today stuff, running and not growing weary. If I went for a run, I'd become weary very quickly. But I believe it's talking about weariness from the point of view is running with what God's given us to do and, uh, and running um, in, in spiritual weariness. And we'll talk about that in a sec. And the other one is it talks about walking, uh, which is staying power. I believe walking, and it says they will walk and not faint. It's talking about keeping on going and faithfulness. It's a Faithfulness is a character that... As we wait on God, we will not only soar and see things from God's perspective, we will not only get energy uh, when things are trying to slow us down, but we will also stay faithful to what he's called us to do as we seek him and wait on him. If we look a little bit more at at, uh, a vision, the vision he gives us, Psalm 18 and 28 says, You, O Lord, keep my lamp burning. My God turns my darkness into light. Have you ever felt you don't know where to go, you don't know what to do? And all of a sudden it's like a light comes on. I know, I know in business it's like that. Years ago when I, when I, I really, uh, the farm was, we, we couldn't expand the farm. We're down at Labor's Hill. We'd been bought out all around by pine companies and I thought, we're not making any money here. In fact, we're losing it every year. And so I had to... I then started the nursery and we built tourist business at Lavers Hill and so on. And there's all these sort of things we were grasping at straws to try and keep ahead. And um, I remember really seeking God for what to do. And I thought... Do I want to sell a farm? Do I want to shift? Is that just because I'm not making it work or, or something like that? Or is God moving me on? And I was sitting here in church and Ken was preaching 
and he's preaching on on Elijah and Elijah where Elijah um, the sign to Elijah to move on Elijah was suffering from drought he was hungry and he was miserable I thought well I can identify with that and um, and then God told him to move on the brook dried up and he moved on I thought my brook's dried up <laughs> I need to move on and uh, and interesting enough I'd, I'd been praying that morning I said God do I want to move just because my situation's hard or do I want to move because you're trying to move me so there's always that balance and God spoke to me that morning so we put the farm on the market which took five years to sell and in the meantime I'm running the, the nursery down there and it was like I don't know whether I was suffering from depression or what it was but I physically hardly could drag myself to work every day because I just I don't know what it was it was just uh, it just wasn't working and um, uh, there was the nursery the money from the nursery kept us going but it was something I just totally lost desire for it I said to Mandy hit me over the head if I ever start to talk about starting another nursery <laughs> I'm still ducking but um, when we moved and I, I I got a job, a, a part-time job with the government and that sort of thing and I quickly realised that I, God was calling me back to running my own business. Working for the government was not where I was called, for sure. And, um, and you, I thought, well, even running your own business has got to be more reliable than uh, working for the government. So um, I went back to starting my own nursery but it was one night I just jumped into bed and I, I just saw this been praying and I just saw this um, word flash up it said special effects nursery I jumped out of bed again I wrote it down and I went to sleep so and then I started trying to figure out well what sort of nursery did you want but the interesting thing was I started to get a fresh vision so the nursery that I hated so much that I wanted Mandy to hit me over the head about suddenly I was excited to do it because I had a fresh vision and it's about seeking God. I believe God will give us clarity of vision. And if we get to that stage, I, th I think it's weird. It's what the scripture calls weariness, but there's a spiritual weariness and there's a physical weariness. A spiritual weariness is something that a good night's sleep doesn't fix. It's, it's having that vision from God. It's seeking God uh, of, to the direction. And, um, you know, it's... When, when you rise up like on eagle's wings, an eagle not only sees really clearly, he not only sees great perspective, but the interesting thing when an eagle soars, he uses the natural air currents to lift him. He's, his wings sort of lock into position, so there's really no effort. He doesn't have to flap much, and he just uses those thermal currents. And I believe when we tap into God and tap into seeking him he will lock us into something that's natural but he'll make it work for us it we often look for weird stuff but we don't have to i believe it's right in front of us a lot of the time and um he will direct us i think of the little boy that when jesus was feeding the five thousand he didn't go kapow and all the bread and the fish came out of the sky 
he said to the little boy, he said to the disciples, what have you got? He looked for what they had and said, well, there's a kid here with a few fish. Ah, that's all he needed. And um, he made, he created the miracle, he fed the people out of what was already there. I guarantee you when that little boy, their mother packed that little boy's lunch, she had no idea. She had she wouldn't have even entered ahead that Jesus was going to use it. And I think he's, the stuff we overlook, we miss, because it's so simple. It's the stuff we've already got in our hand. And um, the widow at Zarephath <coughs> is another example. You know, um, Elijah said to her, what have you got? He said, well, just got a bit of oil. She said, well, how many jars have you got? Well, she collected all the jars she could find and just kept pouring, kept pouring. And um, he used what she had. We see another example of, um, of Moses. And uh, here he was wanting to cross the Red Sea, huge problem. The enemy's coming on him. And God said to him, what's in your hand? Well, it's a stick. But as he threw it on the ground... It became a serpent. And as he took it up again, he, it, beca- it became the staff that he used to part the, the, the Red Sea. You know, God is saying to you, what, what have you got? What's, what's he already put in your hand? And then this weariness, the um, running and not getting weary speaks of energy. But as I mentioned, spiritual weariness is a lot more than just physical weariness. Spiritual weariness is when we've, we've just become, well, as it says there in Galatians, don't become tired of doing good. The stuff that God's given us to do, we can become very tired of it especially if we've been doing a long time, we need that fresh vision. We need to go to God and wait on him. Um, Waiting on God not only for his vision, but the perspective and um, keeping it fresh is simply by spending time with with God. And we're warned there in Revelation. Um, Yet I hold, (coughs) this is where Jesus was talking, when I hold this against you, he's talking to, I think, the Ephesians. Um, you have forsaken your first love. Remember the height from which you have fallen. Repent and do the same things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from this place. I know your deeds that were neither hot nor cold. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. <coughs> That's the seriousness of being weary. A little seed there that had no idea, that little seed had no idea what it could grow into. That's actually a red cedar tree. Doesn't look like one there. But um, so as we walk uh, in faithfulness and um, waiting on God to, for his power, his strength, just remember that the 
the largest of trees can start from the smallest of seeds. God's put a seed in every one of us, a small seed, and, uh, and what it can become. The benefits of waiting on God are life-changing. And uh, the scripture we started with, those whose hope or wait in the Lord will renew their strength, they will soar on wings like eagles, and they will run and not grow weary, and they will walk and not faint. And uh, so as we come up and begin, and we have begun a, a new year, let's seek God, let's make God the, 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 the start of it and seek Him for that direction. If we want it to last, we don't want us to run out of energy. Thanks, guys. <laughs>